Hey fans, the Athletic College Football is live in New Orleans for the College Football Playoff National Championship. Join us Saturday, January 11th at the House of Blues, New Orleans for live episodes of the Audible and the Andy Staples Show. Doors open at noon central and the show starts at 1. Both shows will feature interviews with special guests like former Clemson All-American C.J. Spiller and Q&A sessions with some of the brightest minds in college football like Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel, the hosts of the Audible and my colleagues over at the Athletic, the smart guys. All right, for tickets, go to theathletic.com slash house of blues or click the link show notes make sure you get your tickets in advance because we're expecting the show to sell out <laughs> lamar winning lottery numbers coming up i'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit get crunk. you know why huh? it's hurricane season the new miami the new miami Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. Kane's cartel coming through. Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, your Miami Hurricanes beat writer at The Athletic. It's Wednesday, January 8th, and we're recording this around 5 o'clock. Uh, I feel like uh, Mike Zimmerman, as you as you come in here and join me, I feel like I've got to give everybody a timestamp when we record this stuff because news is obviously changing so quickly all the time. So much sort of going on in, in, in the rumor mill with the transfer portal um, and who Miami is sort of going after. Obviously, we have the new offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, some decisions that he needs to make as far as uh, Miami's coaching staff. I've been busy talking to people behind the scenes uh, for a couple of different stories, but uh, I wanted to start today's episode with you, Mike, talking about the the quarterback uh, situation. Uh, I've reached out to some people behind the scenes, as I mentioned, uh, especially with Jaron Williams, uh, who was a starter this season for several games. Um, the feeling I'm getting uh, from some people close to Jaron is that he's going to stick around. I know there's been rumors out there that he's definitely going to enter the transfer portal. Um, I think what I'm hearing, at least, is that he feels like this is a fresh start. Him and Dan Enos didn't have a very good relationship. Uh, really, that's why the team sort of tanked uh, the last three games between Enos and him just sort of being at each other's throats. Um, and, and I think Rhett Lashley, who is very familiar with recruiting in the Southeast, having coached at Auburn, having um, been in, in this area for many years, um, he's familiar with Jaron, familiar with his uh, private uh, quarterback coach, Quincy Avery, and so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here with Jaron. But the big news today was Bruce Feldman coming out with a, an article talking about specifically two quarterback transfers that are working out with Quincy Avery in Atlanta. One of them, of course, Wake Forest, uh, cor- former Wake Forest quarterback Jamie Newman, who entered the portal. And then uh, I believe Boston College's quarterback is Anthony Brown. So um, I know there's a lot of interest in that. I know you have some questions um, being a big Canes fan that you are and, and being being on the internet more than me. I mean, if, I feel like a lot of times you're alerting me to stuff. Uh, you're so on to this stuff. So it's good to have you on to talk about this again. Yeah, well, so I, I guess surrounding this news just raises red flags um, around the quarterback position, the current quarterback position and who's on the current roster because, I mean, we saw all season long, it was just, it, it was a mess at that position. Jaron Williams had his ups and downs. Nikosi Perry looked as if he was going to take the job back, and then he lost it. And it's just, I, I think this shows that even Miami's entertaining these thoughts that Manny Diaz and now Rhett Lashley just aren't sold on whoever's currently on the roster. And I think whether they do get one of these two guys, whether it's Brown, Newman, or even another transfer uh, quarterback, I, I think the plan is to be a bridge 
from now until Tyler Van Dyke is ready. They don't. I don't think they feel comfortable throwing Van Dyke in as a true freshman. Now, they might have to if they don't land a transfer quarterback, but I think they would feel more comfortable having an experienced quarterback in there while Van Dyke spends a year on campus learning, getting in practice and everything. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's certainly the feeling uh, that I'm getting is – Manny Diaz isn't going to take any chances. You know, the quarterback position has to get fixed. They had a terrible season in part because the quarterback situation still isn't resolved. And and he's talked about that uh, since the season ended, about how uh, that was his failure. He had to get the quarterback position solved. It's not. um, One thing I'll tell you, and I've heard this from different people, is Manny doesn't care about what feelings are going to get hurt here. Meaning if Miami goes out and gets a graduate transfer quarterback or graduate transfer left tackle or graduate transfer number one receiver, whatever it takes to get the job done, that's what Manny Diaz is going to do. So you're going to see Miami's name attached to a lot of uh, different kids. And of course, Bruce reported today for the athletic that Jamie is considering Miami among the five schools. I think Oregon uh, Georgia uh, are among other the two of the other five. Uh, I forget all the schools that are involved, but uh, I think uh, I'm going to look it up real quick here. Is, is where oh, there you go, Washington and Maryland as well. Yes, and and the connection to Oregon. The reason Oregon is a front runner is because uh, they've got a, a an, an offensive uh, quality control coach um, uh, in Alik Terry, who's actually a Miami area kid, played at Hialeah High. Okay. Went on to Wake Forest, played center at Wake Forest for two years, and now Mario Cristobal, that name keeps popping up, right? He hired Alique Terry, uh, put him on the staff up there at Oregon, and so the natural connection uh, between um, Oregon and Jamie Newman is that. It's Alique Terry, and that's why most people think that uh, they could win this out. But I've been told Miami has, and I've said it on here, I've reported it as well earlier this week, Miami's very much been in on Jamie Newman. I think he's their number one to, uh, target um, as far as quarterbacks. Uh, I know other people have brought up uh, the former uh, Stanford quarterback who answered the portal. Um, his name escapes me now. KJ Costello. Yes. See, you're going to know all these names. I feel like <laughs> I can say the Stanford kid, the Wake Forest kid. Yeah. I can throw I can throw all those names. But I, but since they're not Hurricanes, I don't remember these names all off the top of my head. But this is why you got a younger, fresher mind than I do and why we got you <laughs> on here. Um, yeah, I think in the end, it's like whatever it takes to get the job done. And I think Rhett Lashley, you know, today he, he met with uh, some of his assistants for the first time. Miami assistant coaches got back on campus, got back from vacation. Obviously, you know, um, everybody's sort of talking about what's going to happen with the offensive line uh, coach. Usually head uh, new offensive coordinators bring their own offensive line coach. So, of course, last night we get word that uh, – the Auburn offensive line coach, J.B. Grimes, who worked with Lashley uh, when Lashley was at Auburn, uh, stepped down and is pursuing other coaching opportunities. So automatically the rumor mill begins that uh, he could end up here with Lashley at Miami replacing Butch Berry. We'll know more uh, hopefully here in the coming days. Um, a lot of people feel like that's going to be the guy who, who could replace Butch Berry here. Um, as far as uh, the offensive line, but we'll have to see what happens. I know that, again, um, Coach uh, Lashley was here visiting with the assistant coaches. Everybody's back on campus, sort of getting back to work here on Wednesday. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sure there'll be some news that trickles out here in the next 24 to 40 hours regarding some of those uh, position coaches. How do you, what, what sort of your thoughts? I know there's still a lot of conversation um, regarding Alonzo Highsmith out there, the chief of staff position. And I think you told me as we were coming on the show that uh, I guess the University of Miami posted a job listing there. Yeah, so um, 
I, you know, I, I was going through Twitter and I happened to see somebody mention that there was a new job posting on the University of Miami website. So it is a, is a, it's an official, um, it's an official opening. Mm-hmm. It's a, an assistant uh, football coach, which is, you know, the job responsibilities are assisting the head coach in um, administrative, um, you know, duties. So is that not a chief of staff that what we've been talking about? It's just now, I guess they're calling it an assistant head coach. Um, is that even the chief of staff position or is that something completely different? No, I think I think it's totally the, the chief of staff position. That's that's I mean, look, they call it an assistant coach because the reality is that's what it is. It's a guy who's assisting the head coach. Um, but the, the job description, as you mentioned, a lot of it is what the chief of staff does for uh, other uh, programs, other Power Five schools. That's what I've been told by some of our other college football beat writers. So, um, you know, I think uh, it's obvious Miami, you know, the whole connection there with uh, with Alonzo Highsmith. Um, you know, he went on the radio show yesterday with uh, Brett Romberg, Brett Romberg's show on 1210 The Man, and uh, talked to him a little bit, of course, didn't really directly answer any questions about the chief of staff position. He gave some opinions about recruiting. Um, and why Miami has to do better locally and, and you know, what a five-star recruit really is. Look, the gift that Alonzo Highsmith has, he's, he's been in the NFL for 20 years uh, scouting talent. That is his strength. He knows how to recognize talent. They've drafted some good players in both Green Bay and Cleveland because of him. And in the late round, Sheldrick, Sheldrick Redwine among them, former Hurricane Safety. So um, his strength is sort of identifying under-the-radar guys and, uh, and, and being able to see, you know, project what they're, what they're going to be at the next level. And so um, Miami needs some help with that. It really, you know, I had this long conversation with Kelvin last night, uh, Kelvin Harris, who's, who comes on the show frequently with us, a three-time national champ. And, you know, we kind of went over the 2016, 17, 18 recruiting classes, and we played bust or no bust. Did this guy live up to his, you know, recruiting ranking, or did he – underachieve and if you go back and you look the 2017 class in particular which is something i'm going to be writing here in in the next few days weeks ahead i mean that was a class that just has completely failed the university of miami and you know yet you look at where it was ranked it, i think it was 12th overall the 2017 recruiting class and i'm gonna give you some names jeff thomas the number 40 player in the class did he live up to his reputation as a player no he underachieved Navon Donaldson, he started a bunch of games, but has he been a dominant player to be ranked number 72 in the country? No. DJ Johnson, a defensive end, most people don't even remember who he is. He was a top 100 player. Nikosi Perry, another four-star recruit, number 199 in the country, was a starter, a part-time starter, no longer with the job. Trajan Bandy, okay, you finally got to somebody who, I guess, lived up to his reputation. He was a four-star cornerback. Um, you know, Kyle Leon Herbert, offensive tackle, four-star hasn't started a game at the University of Miami. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. There, there are obviously some good players in there. DJ Dallas, Jonathan Garvin, uh, Mike Harley's been a solid contributor, but he was a four-star recruit. Has he really lived up to that four-star rating? So, I, I, Manny, I, I think the issue is that you can't keep relying on these under-the-radar, you know, gems. You, you need to continue to build depth. And by striking out on all of these top guys that you're bringing in, you're expecting them to be consistent three- to four-year starters. And, and 
we haven't seen that in such a long time that, you know, one recruiting class failing like this sets back the program so many years because you have such a large gap in between the previous years and the future years. And I think that's where Manny Diaz really has to make make it a focus in recruiting because you got to bring in these guys. You can't just try and you know of course you you're going to develop these guys but you can't try and just find these gems after gems you need to bring in just the talent that is there yeah and obviously you know south florida continues to produce first round picks and and we've mentioned this before but four first round picks the entire decade to come out of the university of miami you know i mean four from 2010 all the way through through 2019 there's not going to be another first round pick in this next draft in fact i think I was looking at somebody's mock draft. The highest player, highest ranked player right now for Miami is projected to go 160th, which is somewhere in the sixth round of the NFL draft. Uh, and, and I think that's Jonathan Garvin. So, again, um, you know, you have to be able to bring in talented players. And I, I know everybody's looking at, you know, Manny Diaz and, and, and Blake James, and there's a lot of finger pointing going their way, but – the bottom line is uh, Miami's had a huge drop-off in talent. They, to me, there really has been no separation between them and, and some other average ACC schools, and that's why they've been average on the field. They just have not recruited and, and developed and produced the talent level that they should. And, and, it, and, you know, people always point to these recruiting classes. Well, they were number 12 in the country in 2017, and they were number 8 in 2018. Recruiting rankings mean absolutely nothing. The star rating system, I mean, to me, I, I, I think the only thing, the only guys who should be rated are five stars because everybody else, there's there's some sort of flaw in their game. They're sort of like, you know, can't, uh, you know, the five stars are can't miss prospects. And I think there's very few of those guys. Everybody else, you know, depends on, on their off the field issues. You know, what, what kind of leaders are they? Are they leaders? Are they soft mentally? Um, you know, I think Miami has, has just recruited like everybody else has the non-elite schools, you know, what Alabama and, and Ohio State and Clemson get are, are the, the cream of the crop. And so Miami is, is in this middle tier. And when you get poor quarterback play and you have the offensive coordinator fighting behind the scenes with, with the players and, and the quarterbacks, you end up having a six and seven season. So I know I went off on a tangent there and we, and we went a lot of different places, but you know, this whole I, I'm just addressing it this way, because to me, this whole Alonzo Highsmith thing, it's like everybody points at him like he's going to be the guy that fixes everything. <clears throat> sure, he would help. But to me, it's a foundational thing. It starts with the head coach. It starts with the athletic director. And if those guys, you, 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 they need to give these players in South Florida a reason to come to Miami. Right. And, and those guys aren't going to come to Miami right now because they've been a six to seven win team for the last 15 years. Yes, they had one 10 and 0 season and they were number 2 in the country, but that was it. That's the aberration. The 10 and 0 and, and number and, 2 in the country is the aberration. And I think the misconception that everybody seems to 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 forget is you know, we always say, "Oh, Miami has more talent than mostly everybody on their entire schedule. There's no reason to lose." That's just not true. I, I think that everybody thinks that because they they get these three-star South Florida kids that everybody say Oh, the, you know, they would be four and five stars anywhere else in the country. I don't, I don't, is that even true? I, I don't, I don't see that anymore. I think that's why everybody believes that Miami is more talent than they actually do because they're getting these three star athletes from South Florida and everybody thinks that they're just as good as the cream of the crop from everywhere else in the country. No. And, and really, when you go back and you look at the 80s, 90s, and 2000, when, when Miami was winning national championships, it was pretty 
evident why it was happening because they were the Alabama and the Clemsons and the LSUs of, of that era. I mean, they had overwhelmingly more talent than everybody else. It wasn't like they lined up with three or four more five stars than everybody else. No, they had 20 guys on the field that were potential first-round picks. You've had four this entire decade, four first-round picks. And, oh, by the way, what have those guys done in the league? I mean, Eric Flowers taken, I think, with a top 10 pick. What has he done in the league? He's He, he got basically cut from the Giants. He's been on a couple different teams. He's with the Redskins now. Um, you know, uh, Artie Burns, uh, a starter on and off. Um, David Njoku was hurt this past season. But really, I mean, it, it, again, it, it's to me, it's this idea that Miami continues to produce elite talent. It's been far from it. And, you know, what Alonzo Highsmith talked about, about being able to identify talent and develop it, that's crucial. But I think people have to sort of get out of their head that one guy hiring Alonzo Highsmith to come in isn't going to really do anything. Having him as chief of staff really isn't going to do anything. It starts with and finishes with the head coach and then the staff that they hire around those guys who go out and recruit. And the bottom line is Miami has not done a very good job of that in a long time. Now, let me, let me ask you one last thing about this whole Alonzo Highsmith chief of staff thing before we move on. Do you think the reason why he went on radio is to sort of m- – make it known that he wants the job and, and and sort of get the fan base behind him to hopefully put pressure on the administration and, and the board of trustees? Well, I think Alonzo Highsmith was sold a, a bill of goods by some people who have some influence at the University of Miami, boosters, donors, uh, maybe even some board of trustee members who said, hey, we want you to come home, we want you to fix this because uh, we don't like the direction of the program right now under Manny Diaz and and Blake James. But the problem is there's so many bureaucratic hurdles to overcome with that. First of all, they're not going to fire Manny Diaz after one year. Uh, And Blake James, they're not going to fire him after one year of Manny Diaz, you know? So uh, right off the bat, it's like, okay, we're going to use Alonzo Highsmith sort of as a bandage. And and I think um, he he was given this idea, okay, this is the job we're going to give you. We're going to pay you well. We've actually got a booster out there willing to sort of pay your entire salary to get this thing done. And then when it came to discussing power and authority and what kind of influence he was going to have, it's like, well, no, Blake James and Manny Diaz, who still run things, uh, they're not cool with giving you that power. And so that's why things fell apart with him. And could it change? Absolutely. But the bottom line is he's still employed by the Cleveland Browns. He's still working the draft. He's still out there doing what NFL executives in the front office do. And I think, you know, you you talk about sort of the big argument in sports. What was it yesterday? You know, you turn on Sports Center, you watch TV, everybody's talking about how there's not enough opportunities for minorities in sports. Well, Alonzo Highsmith is a minority and he's been doing this for twenty years and he's been working his way to get into a general manager type role. He's been number two or three in line at, at a, for both the Packers and the Browns. So um, to me, it just it, this whole story, everything that happened with Alonzo Highsmith, it would it just always seemed far fetched to me because it's like the role that they want him, uh, some of these powerful people want him in, it's just not going to come to fruition because there's some hurdles to overcome. You have to get the athletic director and football coach to jump on board with that, and no, and as Kelvin said on on previous podcasts, there's no way a head coach is going to allow that. Uh, there is no general manager system. Uh, in in college sports, there just isn't. There, there there's athletic directors and there's head coaches, and that's why the system is what it is. The second week of the NFL playoffs are upon us. The bad news: there's only a few more weeks left in the football season. 
Good news, you can still get your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. If you've never played before, that's even more reason to celebrate. You can play for a $1 million top prize this weekend. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at the $1 million top prize. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. With only the best football teams left, there's no better time to be playing DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use code RUN, that's R-U-N, for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. Remember, that's code RUN, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum. $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, I mean, so now that we, you know, we've beat that, um, beat that dead horse now, (laughs) I mean, there's, there's gotta be some hope for this offensive line, right? I mean, it it can't get much worse than what we saw in 2019. What are, what are some things that they're, they're trying to do to improve it? Well, I mean, yes, they've gone out uh, into the transfer portal um, and, and, you know, certainly looking for some help and some answers. Um, you know, there was a, a young man out of Wake Forest um, who uh, who I know that they've reached out to a, a starter there. I think he started 32 games, offensive tackle, um, whose name escapes me again. Oh, here it is, Devin Cochran. I apologize. I, I, one of these days I'm going to memorize all these transfer portal names. But, again, I hope everybody <laughs> forgives me because we are sort of just familiarizing ourselves with some of these kids. Yeah, Devin Cochran, uh, you know, I saw last night uh, Rhett Lashley started following following him on Twitter and Manny Diaz. Um, you know, they're, they're following him on social media. There's conversations happening behind the scenes. Um, Henry Haddis, um, the offensive tackle out of Stanford, I've been told by a couple of different people now that, Miami feels really good about trying to get him, you know, 6'6", 301 offensive tackle. More than anything, Manny Diaz is going out and, and really making a push to upgrade this offensive line. And, and they they know that they need help through the transfer portal. And they also don't want to make another Tommy Kennedy mistake. So they're trying to go after guys who are well-established. The issue is, you know, people are looking at Miami and the season that they've had, and they're, they've got to sort of decide, well, do I really want to go play at Miami? Um, and be a part of a, a system where, you know, they've got a new offensive coordinator. Who knows who the quarterback is? Is this guy going to help me get to the NFL? That's what graduate transfers are, are, are sort of asking themselves. But we'll see. I mean, they, they, they're kicking the tires on a lot of different guys, and I think they're they're in a good position. I'm glad you brought up offensive line because now I want to sort of transition to um, the meat and potatoes of this podcast, which is uh, an interview that I had with uh, Jalen Rivers. Actually, it was both myself and David Ferrona's of the South Florida Sun Sentinel. We sat and we talked with him for about 20 minutes before the Under Armour game um, a little more than a week ago. And Jalen's going to be on campus. He's one of 13 early enrollees who will begin classes next week at Miami. The other guys, uh, Don Chaney Jr., uh, Chance Williams, Jalen Knighton, Michael Redding, Tyler Van Dyke, Dazlin, Warsham, Kishon Washington, Dominic Mamarelli, Tyreek Austin Cave, Xavier Restrepo, Corey Flagg, and Chris Washington. But the good news for Miami both of their offensive tackles are going to be in. Um, they're also going to have their quarterback there. They're going to have two running backs, the three receivers, and a tight end. All of those guys are going to be on campus for the spring semester. Uh, and I think it's going to, it's really going to help. I mean, you know, one, one thing Kelvin and I talked about last night 
uh, before we get to this interview with Jalen Rivers is how, you know, one thing people sort of forget is Manny Diaz redshirted a ton of freshmen in the 2019 class. Like there, there were guys who just didn't get on the field um, and they were redshirted on purpose in part because Manny wanted them to participate in these scout team games on Sunday night to build sort of this camaraderie. And, and I don't know if he was sort of strategically separating those guys from maybe what we saw on the field on purpose because he didn't want them interacting, but it's like he has this little secret army of 2019 um, you know, recruits that have been kicking butt behind the scenes. I mean, we heard before the, the bowl game that uh, the scout team defense was destroying the first team offense. That's how good some of those defensive tackles and defensive linemen were looking. Um, and, and so there's a lot of optimism as far as, hey, Manny might have this like secret little weapon coming uh, for, for next season that people don't know about. And it's it's the guys who are redshirted and, and this freshman class, which to me, from talking to those guys, I was very, very impressed with. And, and certainly Jalen Rivers, uh, you know, is a guy who went to the Under Armour game and totally impressed. I mean, I think the, the folks at 247 were touting him as the second best offensive lineman in the entire game. Uh, he started uh, for uh, Ed Reed's team, Team Savage, at left tackle, played very, very well. I think he didn't give up a sack. There were maybe one or two pressures allowed the entire game. He played more than half the game. And to me, you know, when I, and you're going to hear it in this conversation now, but Jalen wants to play left tackle. He, he thinks he can be a four-year starter at left tackle the same way he was in high school at uh, Orange Park Oakley, the same school that produced Shaq Quarterman. And, and so, um, you know, he's a very exciting player. You know, everybody's obviously excited about Tyler Van Dyke, but I think when you look at it on paper, the guy who could probably help this team the most in this next coming recruiting class right away is Jalen Rivers, and he could very well beat out Zion Nelson for that left tackle job. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Um, and and uh, again, Mike Zimmerman, thanks for uh, for feeding me all those questions, but let's get to that interview. We've asked all the Miami guys this, seeing kind of what happened at the end of the season, what happened with Coach Enos and the coaching staff. How do you sort of feel about the program now, knowing there's going to be some changes? I'm fine. There were changes before I committed, um, so I'm not used to that. I'm used to that. So anything that comes my way, anything that changes dramatically that will cause me to change or move another direction, that time might not even come because that change didn't make a tremendous like impact. So, so nothing really made me change or flip. Yeah, I guess there's always the idea that you could always ask the school, like, hey, let me out of my, mm-hmm. because they changed the coordinator. Yeah. But it's, it seems like most of the guys are like, yeah, that's not even really that. a thought. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, the head coach, Coach Diaz, Coach Barry, the old lineman coach, and other guys, um, other other coaches that are there too. They are great guys, so one change is not really. If they were to change Coach Barry, how would that affect you? Because obviously you guys have a good relationship. Yeah, we have a great, we formed a great relationship, so if that changed, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. It, right. We just have to see. Right. Have you heard from them? Any indication? Oh, I found out on social media. They didn't tell me anything. Um, my parents told me actually. So, um, and I was like, okay. I, they told you uh, mm. about what? Uh, Eno's. Um, oh, about Eno's. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. I really didn't change it or anything. Yeah. It seems like Coach Barry. If you were to go, that, that might affect things. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So it might have a change. Yeah. You might ask that. I don't. I don't want to answer that right now. But right. if the time have has came, I don't know what I would do. Maybe. Okay. 
it's kind of startling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess it's, I guess to be in your shoes, it's not easy. It's not easy. So I don't know what I would do. Actually, I wouldn't. I don't want to give a definite answer because mm-hmm. Miami's a great school. Besides. Coach Barry and yeah. Coach Enos, whoever decides to go, I don't know what I would do. I don't know if I would change or stay there because Miami is such a great school academically too. Yeah. And what is your relationship like with Coach Barry that you know makes you feel so strong about him? Well, we got to know each other um, over the past couple months when I committed in when was that May or April. So. Over those couple months, uh, we formed relationship. Um, we got to work out with him, go to the Paradise Camp with him, and he'll coach me there. And a couple weeks ago, we just talked about family stuff, and he came to my school, and we talked some more. So it's been a great time. And my official visit a couple weeks ago was really, really really good. You um, obviously know there's a lot of opportunity to play on that offensive line. Yep. Seeing how young they play two true freshmen. Um, did Coach Barry at all talk to you? I mean, obviously I know you're an offensive tackle. Um, right or left side? Or have they sort of giving you any idea of what to prepare for mentally? Well, he's given me the thought process of coming in and working hard. And if I need to go anywhere, um, I shouldn't be self selfish and I'll just go to that position. But he hasn't made any... Um, really definite position like I'm a left tackle so I've been studying left tackle I've been studying looking at everything um guard center right tackle so he's giving me a like oh you're gonna play this and that no he hasn't given me that he just came in and come in and work how are you physically you know you've started four years in high school you feel like you're ready for, for college to come in and maybe play right away it's not easy for freshmen to do Oh yeah, um, I was given the opportunity to start. I was only 13. I was a freshman over the summer, and my um, office, uh, offensive line coach was like, "You're going to start." I'm like, "Okay, I'm going against 16, 17, 18 year olds at only 13 years old." So I was a little bit scared, but I was ready after that first down. I, I was good. What's the mindset you took with you on the field that hmm. helped you in, in those cases where oh, you're yeah. going up against bigger guys? And oh yeah, I'm nervous for every game. Like you can ask my parents. I don't talk. I don't play music. I like to be um, by myself. So my thought process going to the game is, okay, I want to analyze what I'm going to do, um, look at the players, um, study the playbook or go over what I'm going to do and be left alone and go out there. And I'm going to be nervous a couple minutes before the game, but it goes away within seconds. So more so than getting hyped up, you prefer to just keep yeah. that to your mind. So mm-hmm. you, can, you can ask my coach's teammates. Yeah, I don't do that. Like, coach Barry has a reputation for being a really good technical coach. Yeah, that's what I like. Teaching the proper technique. What, when you went to see a Miami game, or mm-hmm. what, what impressed you most about maybe what he teaches? Well, I went to go see him for a practice, I think, for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. And I really like his um, um, detailed um, coaching. And, like, he reminded me of my freshman O-line coach, Coach Nettles. Um, like, he reminded me just like him. He stepped right. Like, he was just telling me very um, detailed things to work on. And watching him practice with other um, players from Miami, like, he was getting under butt, obviously. Um Making them redo the same thing over and over again, whether it's on the bag, on air, or in the um, on a scrimmage. Like he was just very, he wanted everything perfect, and that's what I like, and everything fast paced too. How excited are you? You know, you start mm-hmm. next month already. It's like yeah. weeks. Yeah, <laughs> it's coming fast. Um, as y'all know, I'm graduating early, obviously. Right. So leaving my friends and family behind and starting a new beginning is very nervous. 
yeah. and nerve-wracking, but I'm also excited too. And yeah, starting a couple of weeks, I've been conditioning over the past few weeks and trying to get ready to adjust to the lifestyle I'm going to live next week. So, do you know who you're rooming with yet? Have they talked um, to anybody that? I was going to room with somebody else, but I'm rooming with Chance Williams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, how much, how much more comfortable does that make you making the transition to a new environment and being with a guy who you've been friends with for so long? Yeah, um, at first it wasn't that case. Um, he was going different directions, and then he could be to Miami. I was excited. I wasn't going alone, even though I would have been fine either way but I'm more excited that he's coming with me because I've known somebody I trust him over this past decade so it feels great and rooming with him um, will teach him a couple things like being on time and he'll help me with other stuff like he always says we um we compliment each other and so yeah what's that friendship when you think about where it started to where it is today there's not many yeah. football players that have yeah. yeah yeah we always talk about how our we're like a a dual threat man everybody or every coach or camp administrator they've been saying like we haven't seen this in a while and it feels great and yeah i tell them every day like i'm happy you come with me i'm glad we can work work with each other again and every day during practice and go against other people and it feel great to be with him for the next what three four years so yeah How's he doing right now? He's good. You know, he broke his arm. So um, he's been out for three months, but he just got out of his brace, and he's doing physical therapy and working. Is he going to be around for spring football? Um, they said he'll be good next month. Um, we're just trying to strengthen it right now. So we'll see if he's good for spring. Do you have any goals for the spring? Yeah, going to Miami, I want to go in with a – good mindset not not wanting to start anything just going there and do what i have to do to get better and um, be ready for spring with them and work hard and get to know the plays get to know everybody get adjusted to college lifestyle at 17 years old so yeah. what were your impressions of seeing two freshmen uh, start right away oh yeah that gives me um that's why i chose miami too a great opportunity you see you don't see a lot of um, colleges looking at they probably look at um, freshmen and redshirt them, but Miami not the case. They look at them and see what they can do to benefit the team. And if you're a great asset to the team, you get to start right away. So that's what I like. You have a goal weight. A goal weight. Yeah. Um, three fifteen. So I'm around three thirty. You know the holidays putting two pounds okay. on. Okay. So yeah. I was gonna work down instead of yeah. I mean, you get muscle muscle up, get bigger, and I want to get slimmer too. I don't want to get too. Your father was telling me the whole story about how you know, the weight loss thing, how you were oh, yeah. so big in the ninth grade, and then you know, has that always been something that was challenging for you as a kid? Because you're a big oh, yeah. guy naturally. Yeah, <laughs> I was in junior high. Like I kept getting on the scale. When I reached 300, I'm like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing. I just kept eating. I didn't know like how to eat back then, but. When I got to high school, my ninth grade year, I was 340-something, and then I got a knee injury, and I was I gained like 10, 15 pounds. And 350, coming off that injury, trying to work out, I got down to 340, then 330, and I was at 327 around sophomore year. Or, yeah, so that journey was pretty 
not easy. And um, cutting out a lot of things that I really like, like ice cream, sweets, and all that. So drinking nothing but water. I still drink nothing but water, and I watch what I eat now. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you got to stay on top of it. It's one of those things where I guess naturally your body just... Yeah, so if I go a week without working out and I'm just eating, I'll gain about five, three, five pounds. So I just have to implement a workout within a break, and that's why I keep being active. So it's pretty hard. What's a typical workout for you now? Well, Miami sent me workouts. Um, so I've been doing a lot of gasses. Um strength conditioning um, a lot of snatches I haven't been doing that my entire life so that's something new that I have to include in my workout um, just benching and cleans and squats and, and a lot of stretching because my muscles get tight after workouts and I'm sore I don't want to do anything I don't want to eat so I have to stretch drink and a lot of protein shakes and vegetables and meat you and Chance come from the same high school as Shaq Corbin. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. What's your, how, much, how often do you guys talk and uh, what do you hear from him about Miami? Um, when he first went there, um, I talked to him, how is it down there? Because, you know, I was getting recruited by Miami and other places, but I was texting him, telling me, asking him how everything was going. And plus, he's best friends with my sister. So when they're on FaceTime sometimes I say hey he might he I think he's coming back today to visit my sister and they hang out with their other friend too. So I see him while I'm talking to him every other week now. So that's good. He set the uh, record for consecutive starts at Miami, 52. Mm -hmm. Is that something at all that, as a goal, being a guy who started for four years in high school, is that something you, I don't, I don't know, maybe look at it as a challenge, hey, maybe I can do what Shaq did? Uh, yeah, I saw that when they posted that. Um, that's a great goal to accomplish. That's not one of my goals if it is. Um, if it does happen, um, I'll be grateful and I'll put it in his face too as a joke. But, yeah. Yeah. How do you talk to uh, other guys in the class? Maybe Chris Washington, tackle, or any other guys on offense? Oh yeah, Chris Washington. Um, we're the only two linemen at the official visit, so I was talking to him, and I think he's coming in early too. I'm pretty sure. Um, and we're talking about how getting to know each other because I only seen him at the Paradise Camp in July or June and we talked a little bit there but we really talked official visit so he's one of the few people I talked to Michael Redding um, that's really about it we spoke to Michael Redding he's an impressive young man yes sir uh, what, what is it like when you talk to him uh, what, what are you guys talking about oh yeah we talked about like a few uh, last week, I was like, "Are you doing your workout? Like, what are you doing? Did you get? Do you know this workout? I don't know what to do." And like, we just talking. We he's cool and yeah, he's very approachable. So we got along and we're good now. We was here at this class, you know, and that group text mm -hmm. oh, yeah. just has, has remained so strong even through the hard times. Mm -hmm. Watching the team this season, what is it about uh, the mentality you guys are, are coming in with? That you guys want to be the ones that uh, set this right. You know? take that as a challenge yeah our mentality is to come in um, block out the negativity you know Miami has a lot of 
people in their ear and you know the fans and all that will say some nasty stuff other people say some nasty stuff we just try to block that out come in with a great attitude work and get better and give ourselves that opportunity that's provided to us and go run with that when you look at the offensive line, they, everybody looks at the sack numbers and they're like automatically blame the offensive line. I know the quarterback obviously has something to do with that, the running back protection. But when you studied maybe particularly the offensive line and watched film of Miami, what did you see them doing right? What did you maybe see them doing wrong that you say, okay, this is maybe a way that I could help them get better? Well, it's the little things that um, they mess up on. Maybe if they're leaning or they're not taking the right steps, um, Coach Barry says it points out little things all the time you know he's very detailed with his work so he tells me like don't do that blah blah, blah. this is what you should do when they have a great play blah blah, blah. all the bad and um the pros and cons mm -hmm. that comes with it um but where was i going with it i don't remember well, I was just asking you because obviously they struggled, you know. As a, yeah. You know, as a unit, it, it was it was rough for them. They had a rough year. They had a rough year, and then people sometimes want to blame on the offensive line, but it's not even the offensive line um, fault. Sometimes, right? It's other people's fault, and you know, if we get a sack, blame it on the O line. Say they were trash. You know, <laughs> get that with my whole life. So yeah, yeah. How do you? Uh, what What did you? I guess my other question was, what did you think they did well when you watched them? When I watch them, they, they're very coachable. So if they mess up, they try not to do it again. Or if they do it again, they perfect it and um, um, they perfect their um, mistakes and try to not happen again, try to reduce that amount of um, mistakes. And I think Coach Barry helps a lot with that. And next practice, don't um, they harp on that. They go over a lot of what they messed up on. And the players take that very well. They take the advice and... They try not to do it again. How many other current players on the offensive line do you talk to? Um, well, I really didn't get a chance to talk to a lot of people. I talked to the center. Um, I don't know. Corey. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, actually, um, Jakai was my um, host. host for the official visit, and we got to talk, and we hung out, and it was cool. And Scaife, it was a quick talk with him, very brief. Um, oh, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> From his interviews. DJ, yeah. DJ doesn't like to do interviews. <laughs> yeah. I don't either, but I try to. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're good with him, though. You're good. It feels like you're comfortable doing it. You've probably done it I've got it. I've got, gotten comfortable. Um, yeah. My, you can see my freshman year um, short answer or I forget. or yeah. I'm still trying to practice it, but it's hard. But, um, yeah, those are a couple guys I talked to. Are you excited all about this game, getting a chance to play with some of your future teammates? Oh, yeah. Obviously, you've had a chance to play with Chance, but now you're going to see Michael in action. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to see uh, da uh, Dezalin, is it right? Is that what you're pronouncing? Mm -hmm. and then uh, obviously uh, Jalen, which I don't know mm -hmm. if you got a chance to talk to him. Oh, yeah. Um, Jalen Knight. Jalen Knight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so many Jalens on this yeah. team. I know. <laughs> Small different. Small different. Three, three, three Jalens on this roster. Yeah, and then Jalen Carter over there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were talking. Um, but it's great to see um, my teammates, and I would like to see them how they perform and how they practice and their work ethic, and it's great to see that. And hopefully it's great um, things. Um, I'm pretty sure it is because we're Canes. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah.
Who, by the way, I was curious, who finished second for you? Like, you know, did you, did you picked Miami over in your heart. You were like, this was really number two. Was there was there one or not really? <laughs> uh, everyone, I don't know. After Miami, everybody was close. Yeah. So, yeah. Was there anybody Never still recruiting you all the way? Hmm? To, was there anybody still recruiting you all the way up to the end? Oh, yeah. Um, Florida and Auburn stopped a little bit um, earlier this year. But those were really two, and Florida State were still recruiting me. All the way up until the signing day. Especially Florida. I mean, a couple of them stopped a couple of months because mm -hmm. I just didn't answer them or right. I told them what the deal was. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, it never wavered when uh, hmm. when it started three and four, or even like the recent losses. Never you didn't waver, like think of. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Mm -mm. The winning didn't matter. It, was, it, it seemed, didn't. Seems like a lot of the guys took that mentality, like mm -hmm. don't worry about what happened on the field this year. Yeah. Why, why is that? I mean, because it feels like other guys take that. So and I will never understand it. So I don't yeah. know. I can't speak on them. I don't know why <laughs> they do that. Like I. I, I some of them, like, I take it back all the way to high school. If we're losing, they want to transfer the next season. Right. They don't want to get better. They don't want to perfect that program. I, I never get it. So mm -hmm. my idea was to come in Miami, even though they didn't have a great season like they expected, man, try to make their program better. And mm -hmm. they make me better. And we'll see how things work out. Yeah. And if we don't have a great season next couple of years, I'm still going to stay. So. Mm -hmm. No transfer portal for you. No. Yeah, unless something really <laughs> right, happened. Right, right. Yeah. All right, so you just heard from Jalen Rivers. That's going to wrap it up for this week's uh, episode of the Wide Right Podcast. Uh, for Mike Zimmerman, my producer, uh, be sure to check us out next week. We'll be back uh, whenever there's big news or next week with a regular episode. Talk to you then. Miami, surge, surge.